Our next speaker is Grant Smith. He's a research, he's the research director at the Washington DC based Institute for Research, Middle Eastern Policy, founded in 2002. Uh, he manages research and education programs, including polling, Freedom of Information Act, filing, digital outreach, and conferences. Uh, he is the author of several books about the Israeli lobby, including Big Israel, How Israel's Lobby Moves America. He will be talking about confronting the deal from the U.S. perspective. Grant, please welcome him with me. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me uh, come here and talk about confronting the deal of the century. And we're going to start with that confrontational part. If these were normal times for the last year, we would have been subjected to a barrage of Gallup polling analysis saying uh, what Yusuf just said, that um, all indications are that Americans have great sympathy for Israelis when you ask them the following question. In the Middle East situation, are your sympathies more with the Israelis or more with the Palestinians? And as I was sleeping last night, I had a horrific nightmare that a child might actually download this presentation and see this chart of 30 years of Gallup polls indicating unequivocal majority American support for Israel and think that it was true. So I put a warning label on it to ward them away from thinking that. So confrontation, what has it meant in this case? The first step uh, was for my organization looking at Gallup and Pew's data on essentially the same question. The organization Pew Research has had similar polls for year after year indicating between 2001 and 2018 that Israelis and Palestinians, uh, basically that public opinion was similar to Gallup, but that there was no majority sympathy for the Israelis, although it was close. And so the uh, Information has migrated out of these polls consistently. It's used in extremely important places. It's not only trumpeted by the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee and numerous newspapers to show year after year in March, typically, which coincidentally is when APAC has its annual meeting, that Americans support Israel unequivocally. And it's used in the Congressional Research Service reports uh, by Jeremy Sharp that comes out every year to say essentially that Americans probably support massive foreign aid to Israel as well because, you know, they prefer uh, Israelis to Palestinians when we look at the Gallup data. And so this poll has had extremely dangerous uh, uses in places where it matters, including U.S. foreign aid to Israel. And so we began confronting Gallup in 2018, fielding their exact same polling formulation through the much more accurate Google Online Consumer Services in statistically significant polls. And what we found in 2018 
is that in fact, when asked, most Americans express no opinion when they're put to this question in the Middle East situation, are your sympathies more with the Israelis or more with the Palestinians? They, they say, I have no opinion on that matter. They don't say the Israelis. They don't say the Palestinians. They say, I have no opinion on that matter in statistically significant polls. Confrontation. We issued various reports saying, you know what? Gallup's data seems to overstate this whole sympathy thing. We don't think Americans do sympathize more with Israel. Gallup has some ancient techniques in phone polling and modal bias that we just we don't think it's accurate. And even uh, the Jewish Daily Forward started worrying about the issue a week later, saying, oh, my, my, they do indeed differ somewhat. Confrontation this year. We fielded the same question again, and guess what? The number of Americans who don't express, don't have an opinion on this matter, will not respond to this question increased. And so what can we make of this? The bellwether, the number one polling device that for 30 years has been used knowingly and unknowingly by researchers, pundits, and lobbyists as a fundamental base of their argument that Americans support all sorts of policies foisted upon them that support Israelis over Palestinians is wrong. And there's also no need to ask Americans whether they support USA to Israel or not, because if you ask them whether they support it, most of them consistently year after year since 2014 through the same Google Consumer Services polls will say that they think it's either too much or much too much. Gallup doesn't poll on this specific question. Jeremy Sharp doesn't look for polls on this specific question. If anyone wants to Google it right now, public opinion on USAID to Israel, at least the top three results will say, here's some quantitative, reliable polling data. You know what? Most Americans don't support it. So I did that for you, too. March of this year, confrontation. Gallup finally admitted that they were systematically biased, that they introduced a priming effect when they fielded their questions about sympathy for Israel in these polls. Uh, basically, they said that when they asked country favorability, it tended to push people to later expressing opinions that they didn't really hold about Israel. And that when they did a test without the bias, that they found that people didn't actually sympathize with Israel. They didn't publish that poll. It was an internal thing. This admission was a back page item. APAC wasn't tearing down 30 years worth of polling data from Gallup the next day. So, you know, but it was consequential. It was confrontation, putting the information out where it counts, challenging, and confronting. So, while I'm firing this back up, quick poll. How many people live in Virginia? How many people don't live in Virginia? And how many people don't know whether they live in Virginia or not? <laughs> okay, nobody. 
Excellent. Why am I asking that question? It's relevant, believe me. Okay, so Pew has stopped asking the question. They're transitioning and trying to dis disabuse themselves of their own data. But the important thing is this. This, I think, is why Muhammad uh, talked to me about coming here today. There is a poll about the deal of the century that's been done. It wasn't done by Gallup. It wasn't done uh, by Pew. And it's formulated in a way to put Americans in the positions of Palestinians. It decontextualizes entirely regional issues, whether you like Palestinians, whether you like Israelis, everything. And it simply asks, July 2019, after the economic part of the deal of the century was announced, if you were expelled and resettled into a resource-restricted area, would you fight to return? Or would you forfeit legal claims for a new life under a promised economic development plan? This is a safe, by the way, this is safe for home use, okay? 68% of Americans, this is the American perspective on the deal of the century, said that they would fight to return. So, fair question. Let's use the case study of Virginia now. Let's turn to Virginia. Because it's kind of like a micro, I guess, case study of the economic plan of the deal of the century. Virginians have been kind of a test laboratory for a mini deal of the century since 1996. Because the Virginia state government, first in the governor's office, later in the legislature, has a deal of the century light organization of pro-Israeli political appointees who have been put there on the back of campaign contributions, mainly, they don't particularly have any qualifications, to do jobs in economic development. And the key assumption is they're gonna do this with Israeli companies coming in because they're innovators that can, see that, that can succeed anywhere. And Virginia should feel pleased to have them. And they're gonna do all sorts of beneficial MOU and economic development with the universities. This is called the Virginia Israel Advisory Board. So this is their logo. I think this is interesting. It's probably the only state logo at this time with an Israeli flag on it. They're part of the Israeli government. They were created by the local Jewish federations who also participate in the board of the state agency. Uh, board membership are political players. They've given $1.5 million to put this thing together. They are on the long-term boards of directors and the rest of the board is mainly drawn from local Israel advocacy organizations. So what's actually happened over time? The actual results of this deal of the century sold to Virginians as economic prosperity is massive ongoing predation and corruption of the state government. They've been looting the Tobacco Region Opportunity Fund. There has been cases of outright embezzlement. They're hiding the Israeli companies that they're bringing in. They are targeting local companies, such as Blue Ridge Aquaculture, for replacement with Israeli aquaculture companies. They're tapping Pentagon information in the case of Orange Safety Glass, and then supplying out-of-spec products to the Department of Defense. 
They're skimming all the cream off the pro uh, projects, distributing it to insiders, while basically giving non-existent milk to the rest of the Virginians. Some of the project names, Project Jonah, Project Turbine, Project Biodiesel. Why are they codenaming projects? Because they're bringing in Israeli settlement companies to open up companies in Virginia. Some of them are installing solar panels on the rooftops of public schools and state universities. I'm talking about Ohlone Hetz and Energix. In some cases, they're open about it, Energix in the south of Virginia. In other cases, they're hiding Ohlone Hetz in Arlington public schools. They're hiding behind limited liability companies because I think they would know that they would face resistance if anyone found out. An MOU with Virginia Tech, signed by Terry McAuliffe, has turned them into a marketing division of Strauss Group, Sabra Dipping Company. And this is an innovative Virginia university that has its own tech portfolio and research, but they're being turned into a marketing division. So it's been terrible for Virginia. It's going to increase their bilateral cumulative state deficit to over $7 billion by 2024. And Virginia state media is kind of useless on this issue. They only basically release the press releases from uh, the Virginia Israel Advisory Board. The Virginia Coalition for Human Rights, though, has filled the gap and done some of their own public opinion polling. And here's what they've found. When they asked adult voters in the state of Virginia whether they would like to continue supporting this deal of the century. The plurality, again, with this statement, since Virginia had a $500 million trade deficit with Israel in 2017, Virginia taxpayers should not continue to subsidize Israeli business projects in the Commonwealth. 38.1% said, yeah, we, we agree with that statement. So most of them don't know that they're supporting it, or didn't until the poll but they agree that it's a bad investment. Their deal of the century is not that great. So basically, we have US public opinion. Americans wouldn't take the deal of the century. We have Virginia public opinion. They don't like their own deal of the century. But unfortunately, and this was alluded to by Max and some of the others this morning, they're just average citizens and there's a wonderful study out about the actual impact by Martin Gillens and Benjamin Page, the actual impact of public opinion by average unconnected individuals versus economic elites and interest groups, lobbies. And basically we're talking about they don't have a lot of impact towards change. Not, not like that. So it doesn't really matter that most Virginians would want this out. And we did a little test study, and this is all compiled in the book you see on the left, of a best case solution for a politician who wanted to go out with a hold Israel accountable campaign on a state level. And we found that out of about $90 million per year in campaign contributions, there was a $25 million committed pro-Israel campaign contribution pool and about a $13 million potential hey, let's hold Israel accountable, but they're mostly unorganized and very hard to communicate with. And so the situation doesn't look good. Meanwhile, naming names, 
who is the special interest? Who are the economic elites on the other side who are behind, at very least, the concepts driving the deal of the century? Well, certainly, APAC and the organizations on their side of the issue, which represent a nonprofit Israel affinity ecosystem in this country with 14,000 employees, 353,000 volunteers, and $6.3 billion in revenue, according to our compilation of IRS Form 990s. So they matter a lot in this issue. And APAC isn't out front very much about this. They're kind of in the background. But again, I preempted this morning, some of their think tank tankers are clearly in support of the political deal of the century. They want, in the last book by uh, Dennis Ross and David Makovsky and APAC's think tank, they would like the US to accept Israeli annexation of settlements. They'd like them to further compensate Israeli settlers who in remote compounds bring them behind the green line or into newly annexed territories and the US pays for that. That's what they would like. They'd like the US to pressure the Europeans, according to Ross and Makovsky, to uh, agree to unilateral Israeli moves and increase, of course, defense aid to Israel. I mean, because why not? So the, uh, the Israel lobby plan is clear. And so that would be the heavy hitters. And we can make a name, a list of names for the uh, economic elites who love this kind of thing, uh, the interest groups, but there's no need for that. So I think in conclusion, I agree with what was said this morning. This is a lovely plan for the pro-Israel ecosystem. And if it doesn't come out under Donald Trump, under the branding deal of the century, it'll be reintroduced and relaunched at some time in the future. Whoa, did I put that up? Um, in which we will get another chance to see what can be done about it. But backing up, I think it's, I think it's important to remember that if we effectively confront some of the forces driving this in their vulnerable points, like Gallup, and Gallup has done tremendous damage to this country. At the right time, with the right knowledge and the right tools, you can effectively confront some of this. You can actually do something about it. And once again, to give a shout out to VCHR, they are on the case of Viab. They don't like their deal of the century. They want it to be gone. It's not a good deal for them. It won't be a good deal for the Palestinians. So with that, I think I'm over time. Thank you. Thank you, Grant. So our uh,